The Start On Demand. On Demand. Have you ever seen anything less super than Sunday night's Super Bowl? The lowest point total in the history of the game, punctuated in the middle by a halftime show that was a lose-lose situation for Maroon 5 before they even hit the stage. Monday got off to a snowy start, so we sent Greg Mackling out into the streets of Winnipeg for a winter adventure. And while it was an adventure for him, winter can be treacherous for others if they've got nowhere to go. Is it time for Winnipeg to have an official warming center for those who have nowhere to turn when it's too cold? And Hal Anderson is back. A month after getting his hip replaced, he's back at work, so we'll check in with him. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, February 4th podcast for The Start. And Greg Mackling has been dispatched onto the streets of Winnipeg. He is out in one of the 680 CJOB news cruisers. Did you take a cruiser, Greg? I did. It's a, a brand new Ford Escape. It's very luxurious. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. It's got it's got heated seats and the whole kit and caboodle. It's uh, yeah, I'm digging this actually. So I made the right call by leaving my own vehicle uh, safe and sound in the parking lot. I just I mentioned I was heading out to Headingley, so I went out Highway 1 West just to make sure the highway was in fact open. The gates were open, but I was met with a convoy heading east back into the city of snow clearing equipment on Highway 1. And then I decided that I would take Roblin Boulevard through Headingley South or South Headingley on the way back into the city. Not bad when you are in the open areas, in fact. The, the wind just blowing the snow across the highway the highway conditions are actually worse in terms of driving when you're in a little protected area because that snow has really stayed in place and then as I was approaching the overpass to go over the perimeter highway both lanes in some spots completely drifted over with snow so this is this is the major uh, snow event uh, in particular for the the rural parts of the of uh, the metro area Loren. Uh, we just had a texter uh, Rob listener text in to say that the visibility on Chief Pegwis Bridge is about 10 feet right now and so it's kind of that interesting system where you think you're safe in certain parts and then those gusts are going to come and they're really going to whip things up Greg and make it difficult for you so uh, I, I think I feel like all day long you're going to have a different drive if you move 100 meters. I think you're right and the, the visibility is a challenge on Roblin just now uh, heading towards the the grant uh, turnoff here so uh, yeah just just patience and surprise surprise on uh, highway one heading west out towards out towards Brandon uh, that stretch where it's 70 of course I got passed by someone I'm doing about 65 someone flies by me doing at least 80 so I, I don't know the, what people are thinking when they're doing that Anyway, not going to admonish anyone, but, you know, let's keep it safe. Well, we, We're a team, after all. And I think I, I, you probably got this tweet as well, uh, both of you, from the Winnipeg police over the weekend. And I, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of an 18-year-old woman uh, was nabbed on Lajemodier, I believe. Yep, was in an 80, more. Yeah. Uh, and she was doing, what, 152? 156, I think it was. Over 150 wow. in an 80 zone. So if that kind of, and I'm just going to say it, stupidity can reign in... Uh, 
inside city limits when, you know, 10 kilometers over is one thing, but holy cow. So people use your use your common sense. And we have if a traffic We have a traffic note here. Stalled semi westbound Provence just before the Desmurons turn off. So <clears throat> Greg is out on the roads. We're going to hear a lot more about the street conditions and what he is seeing, but Greg, I also want to know what you thought of what uh, was broadcast on television last night. There was a football game of some um, some note. That's not unlike any football game I've ever seen, let alone a championship game. That was boring. I think the Rams, didn't the Rams punt the first eight times in a row? And the, you mentioned it, Brett, earlier. The highlight might have been the 65-yard punt from the, the Rams punter. Oh, that was a horrible game. Thank goodness for Tony Romo. And thank goodness for CBS and being able to see some of those great commercials. I'm still gagging over that one with the chunky milk, though. <laughs> the Brett, what was that for? It was for Mint Mobile, wireless for 20 bucks. I think we oh, have... I'm still gagging. I didn't hear. I didn't see that one. Do we have that one? Yeah, here. well, here. I have the audio from it. Let's just play it. Wireless for 20 bucks a month. <laughs> That's not right. It's right, all right. Now, chunky style milk, that's not right. I choose chunky style milk because it has the wholesome chunks growing kids need, unlike smooth style milk. <laughs> you can hear it. Hey, guys. <laughs> Save some chunks for me. <laughs> oh, that's not right. Kind of like your wireless bill. Mint Mobile is easy, online, and just 20 bucks a month. Right now, buy one month and get two months free at mintmobile.com. Just pretend it's a milkshake, Greg. Oh, oh yeah, sure. What is that uh, amazing advice you got once upon a time? I think it was from Bob Irving regarding illustration is better than... Explanation. That's right. And, oh, just even listening to that. i I'm really got an upset stomach now after it, hearing that. It, and if you saw it... <laughs> It's like when you have pulp, like juice with pulp in it, and you're not expecting it. I think that's how I'd feel about chunks suddenly showing up in my milk. But at least so the point was is that for the first time, we got to see the American commercials if you watch the American game, right? Well, I think we got to, was it last year or the year before? 2017, I think, that we did as well. Yeah, 17 was the first time. There were all the rumors and all the conjecture. Really, anything you saw or read suggested that we weren't going to get the commercials at all but if you tuned into the american broadcast from the kickoff till the final till the final play you got the uh, american commercials on the cbs broadcast and it really did save things brett you and i had the same favorite commercial though it was the nfl one it was the i guess the nfl's was their their hundredth their hundredth anniversary all the greats and well, as you can imagine, but what do you talk about going to a hockey game and a boxing match broke out? Yep. Yeah, sort of a similar thing. A, a banquet celebrating the 100th anniversary of the NFL and a football game broke out. Yeah, they got uh, dozens of all-time great NFL superstars running around in this banquet. And it was it ended up being kind of like it was sort of a cross between football and pro wrestling because so many of the players were getting body slammed through the tables. It was it was brutal and yet very colorful. And I thought, wow, the the NFL actually won for me this the commercial contest. I thought it was just spectacular. It was like an action thriller. That's good they won there because well, everything else was a loser, I think is gonna be the review. I, I'm curious what ratings are gonna be for that game because boy oh boy. Terrible. 
and and you had a I mean in can in in parts of Canada and in Midwest United States you had a captive audience because we're not the only ones experiencing this bad weather right now we've got a terrible storm system all of Western Canada and much of Midwestern United States is going through cold and snow as well and so if you were home you were happy to be home and have something to turn on and uh, I'll be honest I normally only turn it on for the halftime show but I tried to stick around for the rest of the game and bleh. That's my that's my review. What about by the that way. halftime show? What about what about that halftime show? Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. We're going to talk Super Bowl now. Cam Poitras is here, filling in for Kelly Moore. Jeff Fortier is here, and Greg Mackling is on the streets of Winnipeg. He is our winter correspondent today keeping an eye on what is happening on the streets of Winnipeg to make sure that you get to work safe and sound. Greg, when you came in this morning, you rather disgustingly said, well, that was a disaster for the NFL. And we'll talk halftime show in a moment, but why would you say that game was a disaster for the league? Well, there was zero action in the first half. It was three to nothing, halftime. Like, I don't know, I, I kept falling asleep and, and waking up, so that, that's, no, I didn't fall asleep, but I might as well have. It, it was a genuine waste of time, the game <laughs> last night. It it had zero redeeming qualities in terms of a, a football game. I know people who like defense will be saying, yeah, but the defense was outstanding. That's not why you tune into the championship game of any league to, to see defense. The NHL may be the lone exception in that where you you tune in and you expect to see outstanding goaltending and, and defense. But that that was an absolute dud of a game in a season when the NFL has been, you know, losing viewership. They've been losing fans in the stands. Uh, it's exactly what the doctor did not order for that league. And uh, th- there aren't going to be a lot of people crying tears for them. I- I'm sure of that. Cam Poitras, what did you think? Well, you know, I, I thought the best, the better games were two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like uh, this game wasn't, uh, it didn't live up to the to the hype. I mean, I mean, I I like special teams and stuff like that, but I don't like NFL special teams. Like in the CFL, you get the kick returns and the and punt returns and stuff like that. So when you see a lot of kicking in the NFL, it's it's just not very exciting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, defense, yeah, defense is great, but everybody, the touchdowns are the top commodity. That's what everybody wants to see. People want to see points on the board, and I think that's why the games two weeks ago were so much more exciting. There were so much uh, better storylines that developed uh, over the course of the game, and uh, they came down to the wire, and there was blown calls and last-second overtime touchdowns and stuff like that. Just much more exciting. Um, I, you know, in my opinion, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it wasn't the greatest uh, Super Bowl ever. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, you only really needed to watch the last uh, ten minutes or so, and that then you you didn't you didn't miss anything if you didn't see the first fifty minutes of that game. I was trying to find the silver lining when I tuned it in because I was like, oh well, at least it's close. Like it's anyone's game here at a three nothing. That was the only thing I could think of because sometimes you you will watch and it is a blowout or it's so obviously going in favor for someone else. So at least it kept like I was trying to think. Well, are people going to stick around because it is? so unique or you just like forget it like I don't need to waste four hours of my yeah. time if this wasn't this. if this wasn't the Super Bowl that game if that was just like a regular season game oh, that would be, everybody would have t- tuned out absolutely well, absolutely Joanne texted us at 204-780-6868 to indicate that she was thrilled with the scores because she won $320 in a football <laughs> pool she had nice. she bought these random tickets I guess and she says that you uh, you had to she would like open you'd scratch the scores after each quarter and her scores were zero zero 
and 3-3. So after the first quarter, she scratched at 0-0, so she got 10 bucks. And then later on, the 3-3 third quarter score, she got all that cash. So she says, yep, mama needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> so right on, Joanne, good for you. So <laughs> That's now, a rare, there's no way that ticket wins in any other scenario. She should also go out and buy a lotto ticket today because that's... That doesn't happen. She is lucky. Now we want to switch from the... We'll talk more about the game throughout the show. But we do want to transition now to the halftime show. Here's a clip from that. I'll put on a show. I'll make it. You say I'm a king. And my ego is big. Now don't give a sh- Well, I think that last line that he said is a sentiment everyone seemed to be expressing about that halftime show. Maroon 5... Listen, they did what they do. Maroon 5, probably the modern master of the radio pop song. They have countless recognizable songs. Every song you knew, which is not always the case. Like, I guarantee everybody at least was like, oh, this is also Maroon 5. And I wasn't disappointed. Like, I, I, and then if anything, I felt bad for them because I was like, this, this band is losing no matter what they do. They could have flown in on jets and landed with, like, skis on water and then, like, did a magic trick with an escape <laughs> thing. Everyone would be like, oh, this is the worst halftime show ever because I hate Maroon. Like, they, they, they could not win. But that's who Maroon 5 is. They're, they're a band that are nice to listen to on the radio. And that was nice. If you closed your eyes, that was okay to listen to last night. Not amazing, but... Fine. And Greg, why did call, like, Colin Kaepernick's name keeps popping up? A lot of entertainers backed away because of the NFL and Colin Kaepernick. Rihanna, for example, Cardi B did not want to perform. What? Why is Colin Kaepernick playing back into the discussion of the Super Bowl halftime show? Well, black performers in particular didn't want to be seen as being a part of the NFL family by performing at the Super Bowl halftime show, but it's kind of funny because I'm certain I saw footage of Cardi B performing on Saturday night at a Super Bowl party where she probably got paid to play, and I'm pretty sure I saw a video of her dancing with the owner of the New England Patriots. Mm. So a little hypocrisy there, but that really is the gist of it and the overall attitude of a lot of... uh, black artists in particular was this connection to Kaepernick and and the feeling that he's been blackballed and and so they didn't want to associate themselves with the league and to the point where they didn't even allow Adam Levine or whoever else might be in Maroon 5 you can list off a bunch of names I couldn't tell you true or false whether or not they're in the band (laughs) uh but the the you know they didn't even let him speak because they were concerned that that conversation would come up but i mean it was the best vanilla shake that you could get and uh what's that line about his ego well when he took off his shirt i just like come on man we all know how awesome you look because you have to take it off i didn't know why he was doing that like my my son was watching it with me and all of a sudden he goes oh he took his coat off he goes why is he taking his shirt off and i was like i don't know because that's maybe all he's got my girlfriend was quite happy he took his shirt off. <laughs> I'm sure there was lots of people that Dude's were Dude's ripped. I was like, holy smokes, that guy's ripped. Forward to you very quickly. Did you, you fell asleep during the game, right? Oh, I watched the halftime show and then I was, I was out. I, I woke up, I woke up with like 10 <laughs> seconds left of the game and I was like, all right. <laughs> we're going to talk more about the Super Bowl as well. 
in just a few moments, in about 10 minutes' time. But the question of the day at cjob.com, which is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Legions are saying this year's Super Bowl was a stinker. What was the highlight for you? You've got five options to pick from. The game, so much punting, the halftime show, the commercials, Tony Romo's commentary, uh, especially right before the half where he said, well, if you like defensive football, this has been the game for you. (laughs) And uh, the fifth one is didn't watch. So you can log on to cjob.com. Greg Mackling is in a CJOB news cruiser. He has been roaming the roads of Winnipeg. Mr. Mackling, where do you find yourself right now? I'm in South St. Vital. I uh, just pulled off of, I think I'm on St. Mary's Road. I, I don't know this end of the city as well as I know other parts, but I'm pretty sure I'm on St. Mary's Road and just paying attention to the sidewalks and people trying to get to the bus stops this morning. That is going to be a genuine challenge for a lot of people. We're also hearing and I'm noticing that you may have to do some shoveling just to get out your front or your back door to let Fufu or Fido out uh, because of the drifting in the all places around the city. You might even have to shovel just to get out of your garage or your driveway. We've seen some serious drifting big time around and I got to tell you guys, I don't want to contradict anything the city has said to us because I take them for their word, but I'm on, uh, when did I leave there? At 6 o'clock? I'm at an hour and 40 minutes, uh, plus a, uh, then some. And I, I've yet to see a city plow in operation. Well, we had Michael Cantor on from the city of Winnipeg saying they have 200 vehicles out for snow clearing and sanding operations, but probably just depends on where you are at the city if you're seeing them or if it even feels like you're seeing them, Greg, because of that blowing snow. I'm kind of curious, does it still feel like there's a lot of traffic out there or do you think it? It might appear to you like some people are going to choose to stay home today given all this inclement weather. Well, for the amount of time that we've been working this early shift, I don't really have a good sense of whether this is normal or not. It feels maybe like it's less than normal, but I won't go on record for sure in saying that. Maybe you might have a better idea in 15 minutes or so, Loren. But the, the genuine good news is I finally got my lips on some steeped tea so i'll be in a little bit better mood at good good he's been cranky ever since he watched that super bowl which we'll discuss more of but another story that caught your eye greg that we want to talk about this morning is about weather conditions like this and where do you go if you're trying to escape the cold because for some of winnipeg's most vulnerable that's a question they have to answer on a daily basis and it's also why one woman is suggesting the city needs an official warming center Nancy Chippendale is a local activist, and she says during the day, most of Winnipeg's homeless kind of have to move between fast food restaurants, the Millennium Library, or soup kitchens just to stay warm because shelters are only open at night. As Global's Alison McKinnon explains, it's why she's calling for a government-run warming centre to give the homeless options during the day. When the temperature drops in Winnipeg, it can quickly become a dangerous situation for those experiencing homelessness, which is why a local activist is calling on city council to help create a 24-hour warming shelter. If you have a 24-hour warming center, every person in Winnipeg knows they can go there. They can just walk in with dignity, not have to sign anything, just sit down, sit in the chair, like the Winnipeg Library, read, have a pot of coffee, rest, 
The city currently welcomes people to use public facilities during operating hours, but they rely on shelters around the city to keep everyone off the streets after hours. We have a human rights museum, and warm shelter is a human right, then I believe our city and citizens would like to have a 24-hour warming center. Bear Clan Patrol's co-founder James Favel says some people don't want to head to the shelters. We had a couple guys here that were hanging around yesterday and like they don't want to go to shelters. Their mental health issues preclude them hanging around in those areas like spaces with all those people around because it freaks them out. And so we have there has to be something better. Favel says while the warming shelter is needed, so are additional resources. Well there has to be some sort of uh, some care offered, you know, beyond just shelter. There has to be somebody tending to the mental health issues of the, of the, the residents there. And so that's something that we're, we're hoping that we can offer here a little bit. For now, people can utilize the shelters in Siloam Mission, the Main Street Project, and Salvation Army. Alison McKinnon, Global News. The numbers, numbers obtained by the Canadian press show 24 people died from hypothermia in Winnipeg between 2010 and 2017. And in that same period, that seven-year period, the total was about 100 people dying from hypothermia province-wide. Some of those deaths were linked to the person being intoxicated. So I suppose it's not always fair to say the cold was the cause, but the cold is an issue for many people. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about this, Greg. You know, Brian Bowman has said, if you open up a space like this, you have to have the right people to staff it. And there's a feeling out there from others that we have sort of a good hybrid going on that is helping people during the day. But I don't know if that's the case for everyone. I think the hybrid is highly dependent on private industry, private business. And I don't know if that's uh, really the way you want to go. I, I get the library is a public space, but, you know, we spoke with Sean Nason, the counselor for Transcona last week. And uh, even some of the fast food places that are used to dealing with individuals that are experiencing homelessness or getting a little frustrated at times with a, with maybe the number of people and how long they're they're spending inside. It, it's a genuine uh, problem. And the thing for me is that these are our, our community's most vulnerable people. And I think we should be able to spring into action a little bit more quickly and realize just on a on a day like today. The challenge, I mentioned the challenge of just getting to a bus to get to uh, work is going to be a big one. How do you, how do you even get around from one shelter to another? Say you show up at one and it's full and they direct you to another one that's maybe four, five, ten blocks away. Who knows how far it is? I, I don't know. I, I think we, we need a facility that, that can accommodate people, essentially no questions asked. And uh, people are going to say, well, who's going to pay for that? Well... I, I guess we are going to have to find a way to do it as taxpayers if we if it comes down to this, Brett. Yeah, when you look at the headlines uh, that we're, we were seeing out of the Midwest in recent days where they were worried about their homeless and it wasn't as cold there. It was cold, definitely cold, but still we were colder when you had wind chills up to in the minus 50s. And when you see someone on the standing on the media and asking for money when it's minus 30 Celsius and with a wind chill, it's near minus 40. And I just wonder, how can you stand out there all day? And where does this person then have to go? Mm-hmm. Let's say they get their money. Where do they go after that? And uh, so, yeah, if we can find some kind of a solution to help take care of these people, at least while it's this cold uh, or in today, not as cold today, but with that wind, it's just as miserable today, I think, as it, as it was in, on any day last week. Or the other measures we could do. So in the, the warming center is an idea. Having lived in Toronto, they'll, they'll open up warming centers when it's much 
warmer there than here. It might be a minus 15 threshold, but they'll have different buildings that they'll staff with people and water and blankets that you can go to. So it's not just like opening up the library and saying, go there. Whereas in places like Edmonton, they have a more unofficial warming center. For example, they'll use a lot of their bus shelters and transit centers or train stations and keep those open throughout the day and night so that that, uh, that city's most vulnerable knows that they'll have at least a warm interior to step inside to. It's it's an interesting concept and, and, I, and you don't stop and think about it until you're there, I think, or you see it and then you kind of drive away and you move on. So uh, we have that article at globalnews.ca, cjob.com about warming centers and is it time for Winnipeg to get one? Greg Mackling's going to join us once again. He is out on the roads. He's in St. Vitale right now. He's in the 680 CJOB News Cruiser enjoying a steeped tea. Outside the perimeter or inside a bus shack, which is where we go right now to Greg Mackling. Hey guys, I'm on St. Mary's Road and Vista Avenue. I just wanted to get a sense of whether or not the buses were running on time and I jumped in here and there were a couple of ladies waiting for a bus. I asked them when it was due. They, they said 749 and sure enough, it showed up right at 749. And Loren, you were asking me earlier if the traffic volumes seem lower than usual. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no that people are not used to bumper to bumper traffic. For as far as the eye can see from Vista heading northbound on St. Mary's Road, uh, it looks as though it's backed up all the way, at least from Bishop Grand and all the way back to the, what is south of St. Patel Center here on Vista. It is a sea of brake lights heading north. Does it seem like the snow is tapering off at all, Greg? Or like blowing around or it's still a lot of snow coming down? Oh, yeah, it's blowing around pretty good. It's tough. It's difficult to tell of how much of it is falling and how much of it is uh, simply uh, snow that's already fallen and getting blown, blown around. But as you know, the kind of the trick of the trade is to look up at the street lights and see if you can still see snow coming down up there. And absolutely I can. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not slowing down any as far as I can tell. Well, we want to switch gears from... The weather, and we will continue to talk about that. And after Global News at 8 o'clock, we're going to get an update from Manitoba Highways. But one of my takeaways, and I'm going to play a a chunk of the commercial, one of my takeaways from last night's Super Bowl festivities was apparently corn syrup and beer is bad. Here's why, according to Bud Light. And that's how you brew it. Um, My king, this corn syrup was just delivered. That's not ours. We don't brew Bud Light with corn syrup. Miller Light uses corn syrup. Let us take it to them at once. But if something did happen, we'd eat the wizard first, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, brewers of Miller Light, we received your corn syrup by mistake. That's not our corn syrup. We received our shipment this morning. You're joking. Try the Coors Light Castle. They also use corn syrup. <sighs> and enough of that. But uh, the takeaway from Bud Light is they were saying, we don't use corn syrup in our beer. And then I thought, Greg... Well, maybe you should start using it because Miller Lite and Coors Light are better than Bud Light. Yeah, I agree. Are you suggesting corn syrup might have a little bit of flavor? I guess so. I don't know. I, I didn't know it was a bad thing. Corn syrup and beer. I had no idea either. Great commercial, though. I very much enjoyed it. It was the medieval thing. And then they kind of hoodwinked us when there was a second commercial where the Bud Knight was present. And the Bud Knight says, all right, let's tap this keg. And he goes into the joust. (laughs) And then he gets taken out. 
And it turns out his opponent is the mountain from Game of Thrones. And then the dragon comes in and torches the entire arena. And it ends up being an ad for HBO's Game of Thrones back on April 14th. So I thought, well, that was a, a nice touch. What would you think overall, uh, Loren, of the commercial content that you this saw? This is going to sound terrible. I didn't notice any of them. Like, I wasn't, I don't know if it's because out of habit I walk away during that time or sort of phase out. But I, as soon as I went to bed, I was like, oh, checking Twitter. And I was like, I didn't pay any attention to any of the commercials. So I watched this lousy game, lamented over the halftime show, although I didn't hate it like everybody else. And then was like, and I didn't even see the commercials. So, yeah, usually because the kids were there and usually when commercials on, I'm, you know, you're doing things and playing games and that kind of stuff. So I am a, I'm, I'm a dud on this one. I'm the dud. Greg, we only have about uh, 30 seconds here, but that NFL 100 ad where they got all those old stars to come back. Could you believe they were able to make that happen? It was fantastic, and you described the scene where Tom Brady shook his then five Super Bowl rings off his hand so he could get involved in the into the uh, into the ceremonies and everything that was going on. And of course, Peyton Manning has has to have the funniest line in the thing. He throws a ball across the ballroom, and uh, somebody says to him, "Hey, you look like he could still play." and he said, oh, that hurt. <laughs> so, and I, I thought of you immediately when I saw that Bud Light commercial that uh, immediately or at some point turned into a Game of Thrones commercial and promotion for that. I, I thought that was fairly brilliant. But how many of the commercials did you see? And afterwards, you thought to yourself, what are they promoting? What's the company exactly? Well, and, the Chunky Milk. The, challenge. the Chunky Milk was a company called Mint Mobile, and you can weigh in 204-780-6868. Thank you very much, Greg. When it's cold like this, though, Brett, we talk often about different things like flu or outbreaks that might have us worried at this time of year with the season on. And a measles outbreak has a lot of people talking in the United States. And it's even relaunched a debate over so-called philosophical exemptions to childhood vaccinations. There are 44 people in Washington and Oregon contracting the highly contagious virus. Of those 44 cases, 37 were people who were not immunized. So now immunization helped to actually eradicate measles from U.S. and North America in the year 2000. And so this resurgence has a lot of people watching south of the border, a lot of people watching here too. And it had us wondering just how common are measles in Manitoba? Have we seen any cases? So for that answer, we recently reached out to Dr. Tom Hilderman, a medical officer of health for the province. We wanted to talk to you because we were seeing the outbreak of measles in the United States, and that got us wondering what the situation here is in Manitoba. So perhaps we'll start there in terms of how many cases we've seen in recent months or years when it comes to measles in Manitoba. Uh, measles is rare in Manitoba, um, and uh, that's not to say we don't get the occasional sporadic case or even a, a cluster of cases. Uh, usually they're travel-related, imported into the uh, into the uh, province, and then there might be some local spread uh, for close contacts of that individual. But uh, we've had no cases in 2019, for example. So far, two cases in 2018, uh, none in 2017, none in 2016, uh, a couple of cases in 2015. The last real cluster we had in Manitoba was uh, was in 2014, and that was related to a, an imported a travel imported case um, of measles into the 
into the province. And in fact, we see for sort of globally, there are still a number of places in Asia and Europe where, where there are hundreds of thousands of measles cases a year. So these kind of uh, sporadic uh, incursions, if you will, or importations of measles into into the province is is kind of like the, the new norm. So does this tell us, I'm trying to infer some information here, but maybe you know, does this just say that, that Manitobans are immunizing their children against measles and, and other communicable diseases? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the excellent question. You know, there, so we feel like we, we have uh, our Im, M, measles uh, coverage rate for vaccination sits somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of uh, two to seven-year-olds. And uh, the, uh, the, um, uh, we haven't had a, a big outbreak of measles. It's not to say we couldn't have an outbreak of measles because, you know, when you look at the numbers at a population level, that can sometimes, that is at a province-wide level, that can sometimes mask sort of subpopulations or groups that aren't immunizing, and if you did get importation into one of those groups, the potential for an outbreak to get going um, is is there. It's something that we haven't had happen with measles, um, but uh, that's not to say it couldn't. The other thing is, is when we get these uh, incursions of, or, or, or sporadic cases brought into the province, there's an aggressive public health response that identifies susceptible contacts with a view to either immunizing um, them immediately or as quickly as possible to prevent measles, as well as um, using uh, what's called immune globulin to in those that can't receive the vaccine to, to as well prevent measles. So there's those in those. So it's not just the fact that we have a highly immunized population, um, but it's also the fact that there's a, a rapid public health response that happens when we do get these cases. And um, you know that being said, there's there's no certainly no guarantee that if we got um, uh, a, a measles importation into a into a, a subgroup that had high or low immunization rates, rather, that we couldn't get something going. You mentioned some subgroups, and uh, Dr. Hilderman, do we know those subgroups, and are there active campaigns to make outreach into those groups, or do we just not know exactly where those subgroups are and, and who they are? Yeah, that's a, it's a that's a really uh, a, a, a difficult question to answer because what I what we know is that there is there is variation uh, in terms of measles um, vaccination coverage within our uh, health regions within our, our geographic areas and there are there are not easily identifiable large groups of non-immunizing. Uh, individuals. So, so, but there are definitely, in fact, uh, we have a large vaccine hesitancy project that is um, going uh, region by region, community by community to uh, understand and, and, and try to gather that information to answer that question because it's changing and it's not, it's not an easily identifiable target population, but uh, definitely um, strategies to overcome what we call vaccine hesitancy. Um, and, uh, you know, are are well underway. Um, the what remains to be seen is how successful you know we we, we would be. And um, but the first part is trying to understand where those populations are, and, and not just sort of look at the overall uh, population level data and say, oh well, you know, our rates are high and we haven't had uh, you know an outbreak, so everything is fine. I I don't think that's a, a good way, f- and that's not the way we certainly look at it from the vaccine program perspective. Particularly because. The World Health Organization and other officials of health officials have come out to say that non-vaccination has become an issue or a threat 
in many countries when it wasn't one before. Well, they put it on the top 10 list of, of threats to human health on the planet. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you and if you look at measles specifically, this is a highly contagious disease, you know, and uh, and very very easily transmissible, and it's not benign. So if, by that I mean there are complications, and uh, and those complications range from bacterial infections, lung infections, brain infections, and uh, and and serious complications, including including encephalitis, which is an inflammation in, of of the brain tissue, and and death. So it's not it's uh, you know measles. Measles is definitely one of those things, and the vaccine is for measles is highly effective. So you know it's not like uh, some of the other issues where where you know your your vaccine might be you know forty or fifty or sixty or seventy percent effective, still good, still better than not vaccinating. But with your measles vaccine effectiveness, you know you're well above eighty to ninety percent effective. So. Yeah, so measles particularly because uh, because there is a highly effective and safe vaccine that's available, and and non-vaccinating is uh, increases the risk of a of an outbreak occurring in a population for sure. Dr. Tom Hildeman, a medical officer of health for the province, talking about measles. We mentioned Justin Timberlake earlier. Turns out. He has been in Winnipeg since yesterday. He uh, reportedly, reportedly, as I'm trying to say, watched the Super Bowl at the Granite Curling Club yesterday. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we are very excited to welcome into our studio the 34th greatest Canadian of all time. He is back, Hal yes. Anderson. Hello. How are you, man? I appreciate that you always remember the number. <laughs> the 30, for most people go, yeah, the year the 98th, the greatest uh, something. I still remember. Brett always remembers. No, I think last week he was even just calling you number 34. Number 34 is back next week like it's your jersey number. I was sitting in the newsroom on a Sunday night and I had the TV was on behind me and I had the the speaker beside me and I was just had it on as a passing interest. And then I heard coming out of the box, number 34, power 97 news update. And I heard your voice. I thought, oh, my God, their campaign works. I know. And it wasn't even much of a campaign. It wasn't even much of a campaign. We just sort of a couple times said, hey, you're a great Canadian. Maybe people should vote for you. And then, But the best reaction to that, and I didn't find out till the next day, because for some reason I went to bed early that night. The next day, I've got about 50 messages on my phone, one from my mother. And all she knows is if CBC is on, it's the news, right? That's all my mom <laughs> understands. So she said, what did you, her message was, what did you do? You're on the news. What have you done now? Oh, yeah. Proud mother. The odds, the odds are always when someone's on the news, right? It's yeah. not always good. It's nice right. when it's good and yeah. fun. But, you know, maybe she just was worried there had been, like, a heist she maybe. hadn't heard about. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, Mackling, I can hear you there back. Where are you right now? I'm right at Portage in Maine. So, you know, because we're right in the center of the city, my cell coverage might be the absolute worst <laughs> it could possibly be. So there's a chance that I may drop out. But, uh, Hal, great to have you back in the building. Sorry I'm not there to give you a big sloppy kiss. That's all right. I'll get it later. That's okay. You you got it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, it was interesting listening to Greg out there in traffic. I come from South Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I just passed the perimeter on, on St. Mary's. And it took me an hour and a half to get in today. So yeah. twice as, over twice as long as it normally would. We had so a it's slow out there. Listener, right? The exact same thing. I think she left at six thirty to be at work for about eight thirty. Like knew yeah. she would need an extra hour right. and a half. So same kind of thing. So you're feeling good. You look great. I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. A month tomorrow since the uh, uh, hip surgery. 
my new uh, left uh, titanium hip. It's everything went great and it's fantastic and still, you know, using the cane to get around a little bit. But hopefully in the next week or two, I can lose the cane and uh, be a lot better around here as far as getting around. Standing straight, which is kind of people are like, wow, you're tall, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm hunched over for a change. Right. But yeah, you know, it's funny, guys going in and I've said this many times, so I don't need to go into details, but I I waited a few years to see Dr. Hedden at Concordia to get my hip. But even before that, because I lost some weight, I I wanted to, you know, do it right. And when I was off radio, I was sort of focusing on my health. And people say that these hips and knees are miracles, that they're life changers. And I kind of thought, well, really? Even when I woke up, I realized, wow, this is really going to be a life changer. And that's why I'm so glad to see that uh, toward the end of last year, the province committed over $5 million to try and get mm-hmm. more people hips and knees and cataracts because these are the things that are so easy now. You know, it's almost like a day surgery. Like, I think they, they think that probably this year, I think they're going to try and do more of this, that a lot of people that go in for hip surgery can be in and out the same day. Well, it's one thing to talk about your mobility, Hal, but what what I wonder if you even realize, like, the pain that you were in. Yep. You, th- you knew it was bad, but you don't know it's that bad until you wake up and then it's gone. It is gone instantly. First thing I did was I wiggled my toes. Is it working? Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, like went from there were days where I had pain. You know, they always say, where's your pain? Right. Four five, six. My pain many days was eight, nine, ten some days. And the minute I woke up, it was zero. Sure, you had incision pain, but the hip pain was zero. And as you guys know, or maybe you don't, but maybe you have a parent that has a lot of pain or a grandparent that has a lot of pain, pain messes with you, man. Like you deal with pain for a while, but after a while it starts messing with your head and it messes with everything, right? When you're dealing with chronic pain. So I'm really looking forward to that part and obviously better mobility. Now, what kind of state was your hip in before this, like right before the surgery? Well, I knew it was bad, right? Because you saw me hobbling around here. I knew it was bad, but when I went in and uh, saw Dr. Hedden to get my staples out, he showed me my new hip, which was cool because I feel a bit like a transformer. (laughs) Uh, I said, really? That's what my hip looks like now? And he goes, yeah. Like, if you want to see something cool, like just Google titanium hip if you've never seen it and you'll see what it looks like. Did he show you your old hip? He did. So listen to this. Uh, he showed me my old hip, and he goes, this is your old one. And I went, and he goes, look, like there's nothing. It was bone on bone. But he says, even more than that, the ball at the top of my femur, the femoral ball, he said, was starting to collapse. So he said, you have really been, over the past few months, whenever it started to collapse, the pain. And I did notice more of a limp and more pain. But he said, at some point soon, that would have just collapsed, and you would have been in the hospital mm-hmm. not moving at all. So the timing has worked out good. And, like, and I'm he- glad to be back at work, you know, within a month, right? Which is, I think, pretty cool. This is maybe too much. Did he show you your hip? Hip though, like pulled, like you saw it on a picture. A, in a oh, picture. Oh. No. I was picturing like the hip in a jar somewhere, yeah. like well, on the counter. Like a, like... I, I put a joke out on social media that I got my old hip and I'm making soup with it, but not the case. <laughs> not the. Uh... I was like, I don't know, what do I do with it? Maybe he gets <laughs> to take that. it home. No, you'll make a necklace out of it or something and <laughs> hang it around your neck, right? But I keep saying this, and nobody's really come up with a good name yet. I figure with a titanium hip now. I should have a rapper name or a hip hop name, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've got a titanium hip. Come on, let's. I can't come up with anything, and nobody's come up with a good one. So we'll have to see if I get a. You good can text rapper in name. your suggestion. There you go. Four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. What should Hal's rapper name be with his new titanium hip? Yep. Hal, so good to see yeah, you. Yeah, it's good to see again. you guys. Glad to be back. So one o'clock this afternoon, big show. Talk about the snow, obviously, Super Bowl, and all kinds of other stuff. What'd you think of the game? 
you know, it was a, it was a snoozer for sure. It was. I was glad that Brady and Belichick and the Pats won the game. I was happy to see that. I thought the Super Bowl halftime show was okay. I didn't think Adam Levine sounded very good. Those Maroon Five songs. I think they need a lot of help in the studio to because he has a very high voice or in those songs he does. And I thought it was okay. I wasn't even terribly impressed with the commercials. I didn't think they were as funny. This There were some good ones. Like I heard you and Greg say your favorite was um, the NFL one. Yeah. That was good. I'm, I'm a little partial for the Zoe Kravitz one because I really like Zoe Kravitz, and she's stunningly beautiful. Um, but I even thought they weren't as funny or outrageous as they normally are. But that's just my opinion. Well, question of the day at CJOB.com. Legions are saying this year's Super Bowl was a stinker. What was the highlight for you? So far, overwhelming in favor of didn't watch. 63% say didn't watch. 15% the commercials. 7 say the game. So much punting. 7 say the halftime show. And Greg, maybe you can weigh in on this as well. 7% say Tony Romo's commentary. What I saw of his commentary had me laughing the whole time. Yeah. Is, this his, is this his modus operandi? Tony Romo, for as good a quarterback as he was, this is his calling in life. He predicts the plays before they're going to happen. He succinctly tells you what to watch for, and he does it in an entertaining fashion. Uh, Tony Romo has become the darling of the, uh, the national broadcasting system in the United States as it pertains to football. The guy is incredible. He's like a wizard. He has a crystal ball. And uh, I, I can only imagine how much money he made on bets yesterday and all the proposition bets. He was probably sitting there with his iPhone betting on different things. He might, might not even have to uh, work in television anymore. He probably made so much money in Vegas yesterday yeah. on, the, on the gambling side. Yeah, definitely a better color guy than a quarterback, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Hal whoa, Anderson. whoa, whoa, easy now, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> Hal Anderson's back. One to four today, Hal Anderson Afternoons, Hal. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.